I'm Mark Walsh, and coming up on today's show... Crypto does have some emotional load, and in fact, increasingly people are talking about it as digital assets. It's not anonymous. It's actually much more traceable than anything that's existed before. You can't trace paper money like that using serial numbers, but you can trace a transaction. Welcome to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast. It's What's Working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh, here in the studio with Tracy Madigan, our producer. We are joined today by Nathan Jones. Nathan is the vice president and general manager of the public sector for a company called TaxBit. Two words made one. Tax, yes, keeping track of capital and currency, and bit as in bits of bytes of tech. These guys are in the business of keeping track of digital assets, sometimes known as cryptocurrency, and other digital assets so that you can pay your taxes correctly. Now, why does that matter? Oh, just because there's a hundred gazillion dollars of cryptocurrency swimming around. We talk about all different types of cryptocurrency, why it matters, what blockchain is. Yeah, some of the some of the terms get fast and furious tossed around, but I know you'll learn more at the end of the show and know more than you did when you started. Here's our conversation. Nathan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to so be here. before we get into what you're doing now, I know you spent a long time at, um, amongst other technology companies, Red Hat, which I'm a huge fan of because I would argue they pioneered open source software in a way that nobody else really got traction on, number one. Number two, grew huge, and number three, bought by IBM. So open source is now a term we just use commonly. But back in the day, if you don't mind me sort of going back in the midst of time, what was it like at a smaller Red Hat? You were you were probably climbing a mountain you couldn't see the top of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I loved it uh, every minute of it. Twenty years, and I started as the first uh, federal um, focused individual right here in Washington. Wow! And it was a lot of education in the early days. Right, there were a lot of the misconceptions that now exist around cryptocurrency in this new tech. Um, environment yeah. existed back then. So it was all about educating, especially the government, on how this was a better technology, that it was actually transparency, actually improved security. But if you can think about that 20 years ago, everything was a waiver to get Linux into a data center. Exactly. Uh, but it was an amazing journey. I loved it. And it's why I'm doing a similar thing now, uh, because I want to educate. I want to bring something new to people um, and that's exactly what I'm doing now. Well, that's a great way to start because I just can't imagine. I, I worked for the federal government for a little while at the end of the Obama administration as a political appointee. And I can't imagine many CIOs or CTOs of whatever agency were saying, open? Sure, we love open. Come on in. Mm-hmm. They were all about protectiveness. They were all about security and lack of transparency in, in, a, in a good way, lack of transparency. So you probably had some long conversations to get people just up to thinking that Linux or just open software alone was something to consider. Yeah, it was natural. A lot of people um, had preconceptions about open yeah. um, being a concern, right? And and these were based on older tech um, fundamentals. But when you looked at what open source software could do, um, eventually we got it to the point where a lot of research folks in the government uh, concurred with us and wanted to actually improve this because they realized that many eyes on code can actually make things um, better from Nicely a tech said. perspective. Yeah. That's great to hear. Well, so tax bit. Before we get into what, well, let's let's start with your investors. I noticed on the web it's an eye-popping list of literally, I think, every major 
venture capital and interested strategic investor in fintech has decided to put money in into taxbit tell us the history of the company and why you decided to leap from red hat over to taxbit yeah so and i i went after the ibm acquisition so I spent a couple of years um in the red hat uh you know separate company under ibm but realized i wanted to do a startup again and uh i had i had invested in uh digital assets bitcoin um, a lot of previous early Red Hat tech folks had gone over to uh, basically innovate in this blockchain space because it's all open source software. Exactly. That's how that's how blockchain is built. Cryptocurrency is the first use case uh, that's really taken um, taken on like wildfire in blockchain. Um, so that I, I knew that that was my hobby um, when I left IBM and I was looking at what startups to pursue. Um, the intersection of crypto. And my government background is really in regulatory tech, right? Wow. So I happen to find this very unique uh, intersection. Um, but again, we do have a lot of great mainstream investors, um, as well as folks that are leaning towards kind of the cryptocurrency world. So we have some of the cryptocurrency venture funds, um, the actual cryptocurrency exchanges themselves who have funds that invest in Coinbase investor, yep. adjacent technology. And then we have folks who just are doing a lot in the Web3 ecosystem, Web3 being how do we get to a more peer-to-peer -peer based kind of world, right? People talk about Web2 being today's current internet, Web3 being what? Cryptocurrency, blockchain, peer-to-peer -peer control back in the hands of the users is. And so it's a natural intersection. And um, I like to think of us as that critical plumbing and electricity behind the scenes, right? So uh, although tax and accounting are not uh, the most exciting parts of the ecosystem, they are the most essential. Yeah. Well, I think one of your taglines on the site is, you know, keeping track of what's going on. I mean, I know that like, to your point, maybe that, that sounds a little boring. Before we get back to because you you there's a lot to unpack in how you describe peer-to-peer -peer Web3, which is the future, as we all know. I noticed that one of your investors is Winklevoss Capital, those who did not see the social network, the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, if you haven't, you should watch it. But obviously, the Winklevoss twins were famously suing Mark Zuckerberg when he when he when he when he started Facebook, I guess they were properly compensated because they have a large investment fund now and they are believers in your company. So let's start with blockchain and then get to crypto on top of it and other applications within Web3 so our listeners are fully versed. Mm -hmm. Blockchain, if if I could simplify it and you tell me where I'm wrong, is a way to track an event, a transaction, or a thing that is constantly updated, inviolate, impossible to change, and reliable. Is that a fair summary, am I, or am I missing important points? No, but blockchain is technology, and it is immutable, as we call it, which is as you add something to it, what was there before stays in existence, yep. and it continues to grow. So you have an amazing audit trail. So when you think about bringing it back to Washington and what do they care about, right, there's those fears uh, like we had in open source software, which is, well, it's open. Yes, it's open. The blockchain is readable. But that actually produces an amazing amount of, um, of, of of transparency that allows folks to be trust, to have trust in the system. So blockchain is all about a new way to do transactions, financial transactions, as well as things like real estate, yep. as well as things like, you know, if you think about the government, there's a, a, a multitude of use cases where imagine if we could go from paper process in giving grants to people and actually track that grant down to how it was used with actual cryptocurrency yeah. to spend that money. Think of all the 
the issues we've had around spending money in COVID relief or healthcare reform, imagine if you could literally audit every step in that and trace it down to who got the money and what did they spend it on. The ability of this technology to enable a more transparent process is amazing, but it is it is tech at, at, at the end of the day. So transparency is a term that most people say, I agree, but sometimes people are like, I don't want transparency down to the detail that you, that you talked about. What are some hurdles or challenges in your conversations at the federal level or even just in general for TaxBit where people are like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm all for transparency, but I don't want 100% transparency. Right. Well, there's some terms out there like pseudo-anonymity. Um, Ooh, but, I like it. Yeah, so we're getting into tech terms that actually explain what you were what you were just talking about, which yeah. is people want that the blockchain, you can see what's happened, but you can't see who exactly did it, yeah. right? There's some form of abstraction. So the key thing is we can investigate the transaction. So if something goes wrong, you can see what's happened, but you can't see who exactly was in that. And so the, some of the misconceptions about cryptocurrency in this ecosystem is that it's anonymous. Yeah, It's not anonymous. It's actually much more traceable than anything that's existed before. You can't trace paper money like that using serial numbers, but you can trace a transaction. But however, it's pseudo-anonymous because the only entities that know who you are are probably the banks that helped you onboard or uh, exchange actual U.S. dollars or some kind of foreign currency for the electronic currency. Yeah. So it's an, I think it's an amazing, um, perfect uh, marriage of the two things where people can have this ability to inspect what's going on, but they can have a level of pseudo-anonymity that, that keeps their personal details from the open internet. Yeah. Well, so let's return to, to, to cryptocurrency in a minute, but for just the blockchain. One of the analogies, and, and maybe you and your colleagues use it all the time, that I have found very illustrative is the idea of provenance in the art world, right? So when Monet finished whatever he painted in whatever year, I'm not an art person, but the idea of, as he put down the brush for the final time, who owned that piece of art until the day you buy it for $37 billion at Sotheby Park Burnett and hang it on your wall in your triplex in Manhattan? That, that listing of who owned it to make sure it's not a fake, because there's lots of fakes in the art world, I say that, that, that blockchain is, a, is the best possible so solution for that idea of provenance on a thing as it's owned by other people over time. Is that an analogy you've ever used or you've heard of? Exactly. And and take it even a step further to say, in today's world, you could embed an RFID tag in that artwork that yeah. was created today. You could track it forever. Blockchain and what they call smart contracts can also allow 100 of us to invest in buying a Picasso or Monet and have rules around what we say that art can be used for in perpetuity, right? So there's, wow. a, there's amazing like it. use cases for museums if I want to invest in something and have that eternal showing of a Picasso in a particular museum, I can buy into it with 100 of my friends according to a contract that's immutable on the blockchain, 100% enforceable. And then you can even buy out my rights to that. Future people can buy out their rights to that, um, and, and that 100 people can become different, but they have to buy into the contract. Right. So there's an amazing uh, utility for this in 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 the in the donations world as well as in the grants world and use cases. And the term immutable becomes key 
there because immutable, if I, I'm not sure my definition is spot on, but the idea is unchangeable. unchangeable. That no one can come around and mess around with who the 100 people were. They can't mess around on how much I own versus you own of the 100. They can't mess around with, I'm saying it has to be in a museum or I'm out, or whatever my stipulation is versus yours, right? So that that immutability to me is an extraordinarily appealing portion of this. Yeah, you can write all that logic in. And in fact, you can write in voting rights where a certain number of the people can, in fact, change the rules. Wow. So we're not into cryptocurrency yet, but I know the tax bid and a lot of your job, Nathan Jones, who's the vice president and general manager for the public sector here for tax bid in Washington, D.C. But as we return here on what's working in Washington, we're going to talk about cryptocurrency, how people are using it, and frankly, the occasional misuse after this. Listen, we want to put out a huge thank you to our listeners who put us in touch with some of the best voices in Washington, D.C. and the region. We've been hearing from you through Twitter, LinkedIn, and other direct messaging. On What's Working in Washington, we talk to power players about innovation in the federal government and how businesses in the region are keeping us competitive. We talk to the brains in the nonprofit world, restaurant domain, and next-gen tech. We love meeting smart people. If you know someone we should be talking to on our show, let us know. Tracy Madigan, our producer, and I think that it's all about shining a spotlight on people who are really getting things done in the region. So please keep those ideas coming. And thanks to all of those who stay in touch with us. It's What's Working in Washington. I'm your host here with Tracy Madigan, our producer in the studio with Nathan Jones. Nathan is our guest today. He's the VP and general manager of the public sector for TaxBit. He has been a pioneer in open source software and now in blockchain and cryptocurrency and the tracking of it and explaining it to the public sector, which, Nathan, I admire your taking on that job because public sector purchasers of technology tend to be very risk-averse. So congratulations on taking on this this gig. Before we get into the uses of TaxBit and what your company provides for cryptocurrency and transactions, if I may ask, how has it been when you talk to a government technology purchaser or maintainer and you say the word crypto? Do they shrink back in the corner of their office and, or, or run away? Or do you not use that word because it does have some emotional load? Yes, crypto does have some emotional load. And in fact, increasingly people are talking about it as digital assets because your your art example is a great um, example of one using the blockchain from a technology perspective, but truly that there can be a digital asset, which is not necessarily a currency use case. Um, but the government's been very receptive to it. I think people are very excited about it. Um, I would say that we want, uh, me as a resident here in Washington, right, I want the center of the universe for future regulatory tech innovation to be the USA, right? And so I think that's the opportunity we have here in Washington. And and again, it's tech leaders in Washington, as well as policy leaders, as well as those investors you talked about in tax bit. But 
we all want to see the U.S. be the center of that yeah. regulatory certainty, clarity. And if it's done right, again, it can help cryptocurrency, virtual currency, digital assets to flourish. Because right now, you might have uh, very leading-edge investors, right? Very high-tech folks who are in this ecosystem. Um, but the, the president had an executive order on cryptocurrency, and there's been a lot of research into it. But there's a large percentage, but it'll only jump to the next really mainstream use cases of payment and everything else if there's regulatory certainty around it and if Washington helps create that, right? Well, I, 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 that seems like a very logical stance to take. I, I know sometimes people push back and say that crypto is stateless currency. You know, not the United States dollar is backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government, so to speak, quote unquote. But crypto is stateless currency, number one. Number two, anybody can create cryptocurrency, which I think is sometimes a challenge to other people. Like I think um, Elon Musk created Dogecoin, right? He just made it up out of, out of thin air. And state-backed currency has the state behind it. And I think you're saying, which is very encouraging to me, you need the regulations so that people know there is a structure behind the currency and that I couldn't create a currency, Mark Walsh dollar, and have it magically appear somewhere. So is, are you seeing that kind of discipline being important for the acceptance of digital assets? So this tech innovation allows new items to be created. So those could be assets. They can be currencies, right? And that's what you've seen happen with those different offerings. Yeah. What I think is critical and what we're in the business of doing is providing transparency and more information around those offerings so that investors can make educated choices, right? Nice. And and some of those assets, digital assets that are launched can be backed 100% with the U.S. dollar, can be backed with gold, can be backed with silver. And some are backed with nothing but are created out of a community. And the community has its own inherent value. So, yeah. So- when you start looking at regulatory tech, which is what we're in the business of doing, how do we help the consumer see what's going on there from an accounting perspective and a tax and regulatory perspective? And that's where we're trying to help. Um, and that's where I think we can help in making this more mainstream. So accounting back in the day when I was running companies, you know, my CFO would always say, well, there's a new FASB regulation, Financial Accounting Standing Board, on this or that. Are you seeing the the FASBs of the world, the SECs, the Treasury Department, uh, FDIC, are they are they up to speed on what's going on, or are they always trying to stay up to speed? Where, where are you in that? So, I mean, all those agencies have people looking at these innovative areas. I mean, FASB has issued guidance around it. Um, there's been enforcement by SEC. I mean, we certainly have personal opinions on a lot of these different things, but the bottom line is they're all active in the space. Um, there hasn't been um, there there hasn't been the needed clarity though yeah. where those agencies agree with each other yep. and then those regulations become law and become implemented regulations. So one of the things we're very heavily involved in is the the tax regulations, which actually came out in the Infrastructure Act of 2021. Wow, they still are not implemented, but will be soon, right? Wow, that's cool. There needs I didn't to know be that. more certainty around, of course, those other pieces you just talked about. All those tokens you talked about, those examples, as you can imagine, they can take on different forms that might be commodities, might be currency, right? There's all different kinds of ways you can use digital assets, um, NFTs, right? Artwork right. that's literally digital or uh, rights to a digital asset. So the underlying accounting is fascinating because depending on what kind of physical asset means a different tax treatment and a different accounting treatment potentially, which is 
one of the most exciting things to happen in regulation and accounting since, you know, in, in decades. I doubt CPAs 20 years ago knew that they'd be talking about stuff like this. Uh, and I, I you're this not, is the are most you a CPA? No, but yeah. we have a lot of smart CPAs in our company, and this is the most exciting place to work yeah. for a CPA because you are literally defining right. with FASB, with the regulators, what the next generation is of a instantaneous payment kind of network. So that's Nathan Jones. He's with us in the studio today. I'm Mark Walsh, your host, along with Tracy Madigan, producer for What's Working in Washington. He's the VP and GM of the public sector for TaxBit. So tell me what stablecoin is. I keep hearing that, and some people say that's the future, that's where the solidity and reliability of what the value of a given cryptocurrency is. What does that term mean? Well, one of those areas that we'll probably see more regulatory clarity on, which a lot of people are discussing, is define what stable means. Yeah. What we've seen is people launch a token, a digital asset, and they call it a stable coin. We've obviously seen some failures of stable coins that were not very stable. Yeah. So that's an amazing discussion, but you can have a stable coin that literally is a one-for-one -one digital representation of gold or the U.S. dollar. So that's pretty, that's and, pretty and, stable. And by the way, that's where the accounting technology comes in. We can show transparency that that entity owns that much physical asset, right? Because you as a consumer want to know that they've done it um, and that they're implementing what they've said they've implemented in terms of a, a, a match. But... In this world, there are people who have launched stable coins that are not stable at all. And I'm sure there'll be more. So before we get to a small elephant in the room, who is a typical, I mean, you're obviously in the public sector, but who are some typical customers of TaxBit? And what, and what, do, they, what do they engage your company for? Yeah, so most of the exchanges out there that allow you to exchange cash for digital assets and allow you to broker digital assets um, use our technology um, and again, it, it, there's a variety of ways to interact with the technology, but in general, we help those entities um, help their consumers report proper taxes. Got it. Eventually, that's going to be filing forms, electronic forms with the IRS. But today, it's about giving transparency to the user so they can see what their real taxable gain was, even though they may have had thousands of microtransactions. Wow. Um, crypto is voluminous in terms of transactions, so we can talk about that, but it's all fractional. You can buy fractions of items. Um, so that's on that, that side. On the U.S. and the government side, obviously, we would help any entity receiving crypto or any entity auditing people's tax returns, that, that type of thing. So the accounting software helps you understand how to keep a separate ledger for your crypto assets, different than your cash assets. And we help all those commercial entities produce the right information for users consumers, which is our main, our goal, but through intermediaries. The reality of this world is it needs to act more like the traditional finance, the securities world, where you get your 1099, you get your, that doesn't happen necessarily today, yeah. but will in the near future. And that's kind of the glue we're providing. Wow. I hadn't really even thought, I mean, clearly you're doing this because it's necessary. I hadn't really even thought about the tax implications of what you're doing with so we haven't got a lot of time left. A bit of a lightning round. We talked before about pseudo-anonymity. Um, do you think there's a day in a career you and I care about, yours and my career, where the nefarious use of crypto will be either eliminated or put in a box and more controlled than it is today? Yes. I mean, you're seeing lots of news stories about where they've tracked down criminals. And, yeah. and, and this is a terrible 
um, place to launder money. If you launder money with digital assets, it's going to be traceable. <laughs> and and the reality Note is- yourself. Don't years, launder money. Yes. The years ago, when this first came about, of course, the tools like ours and also the tools to trace those those actors throughout a process didn't exist. But the tools caught up. The tech is there. And so those immutable transactions that happened when somebody stole some kind of digital asset from somebody else three, five, ten years ago are still there. Yeah. Right? They're fingerprints that you can follow. They're breadcrumbs. So now the tech has caught up. Um, and again, there's this misperception um, that in our world a lot of illicit activity occurs. But most of the activity is just because people want the efficient transfer of money or assets. It is instantaneous. That is an amazing tech innovation. In the traditional finance world, there are so many hops, so many intermediaries, and it takes at least 24 to 48 hours to move money. Even if on the front end your bank tells you that money's sent, it it's isn't not. formally yeah. sent. They're exactly. just kind of fronting you that that capability. Crypto is instantaneous. Yeah. Now, criminals will always take advantage of the best technology. Right. We should see that as an endorsement. Yeah. But we also use that technology to fix and find the illicit actors to make sure that there's enough transparency in the market and in the tools that the the good consumer and the great actors in this community can do it safely. So it's about education and about tools. I like that. That's a ringing endorsement. Nathan Jones, we ask every guest on the show at the end, if they could change, they rule the world, they could change one thing and stop something from happening or start something happening that they want. What's your answer? Yeah, so we need regulatory certainty as soon as possible, right? And so that's the implementation of some of the tax regs that were passed in law back in 2021. Certainly when you talked about kind of the market around accounting of assets and the launch of assets, we need that certainty in the market for this to flourish. Because the more certainty, the more mainstream investors you have and the more mainstream banks you have holding and using this asset with assurance and confidence. Nathan Jones, VP and GM of the Public Sector for TaxBit. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. There's a way to get involved with the show. You can DM us on Twitter if you have one of two outcomes. A, you want to be a sponsor. Or B, if you have a person or an issue or a company or any entity that you think we should be featuring, again, DM us on Twitter. It's What's Working in Washington. You know, I often find myself wondering, what's great about Washington, D.C.? And then I'm reminded about our business, our government, our arts, our not-for-profits, our education arenas, all are fantastic and special, not only to our nation, but really to the world. I'm glad I live here. I hope you are too, and I hope that our show continues to give you some enlightenment, some information, some actionable intelligence, and hopefully some enthusiasm about what works in Washington, D.C. So once again, thanks for listening. The team behind What's Working in Washington is a great group. The executive producer and editor is Tracy Madigan. Online content, Anna DeGraff. And that theme music you enjoy, performed by the Sunbathers. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast.